0: Okay, hello and welcome from lockdown Melbourne once again to another episode of When Movies Was Good. I'm Rachel, your host, along with my very special guest star, my weekly guest star, Matt. How are you doing? Hi, we're back on, on Skype now.
1: Yeah, I know. Hi, Rachel. I can't believe it's got back to this. I was so excited we were finally recording in person um, using a better audio equipment and uh, not worrying about uh, the internet feed dropping in and out and we're, and we're back there. Oh no.
0: (laughs) I know. Oh, well, I suppose it, I suppose it has to be done, but at least we've got modern technology that can kind of keep us going. Um, yeah, it's a bit disappointing, but we're, you know, we're back in lockdown again here and as a lot of other people are in, in various places around the world. So we'll just keep on keeping on, but we've got two interesting movies For everyone this week, we've got 1930s Abraham Lincoln starring Walter Houston and 1939's Young Mr Lincoln starring Henry Fonda. So these were the movies that we explored over the last two weeks. Uh, How did you find the subject matter in these, Matt?
1: Well, I only had the sketchiest knowledge of uh, Lincoln up until now and uh, to an extent we get the drip feed uh, knowledge of him fed through a lot of a. American films like uh, *Gone with the Wind* and uh, *Lincoln*, and so uh, separating the man from the myth was uh, quite interesting. And for example, I found him—it's um, actually quite interesting because I also saw recently uh, the movie *Current Wars*, which is about the conflict between Edison and Westinghouse over the beginning of the power grid. And I found mm-hmm. actually uh, unusual as it sounds the quite a similarity between the story of Lincoln and slavery and Edison and the light bulb in that uh, both of them obviously couldn't have done uh, those major achievements they credited with on their own, but the narrative um, that is built around them by the needs of historians acting partly as storytellers Mm. uh, to credit them with being this one genius and uh, moral character behind the whole project... And we're sort of critiquing them in retrospect when really it's uh, the fault of writers around them for building up this myth-making. And yeah. so I thought these movies were quite a uh, an interesting way to uh, approach him as a person. Like, I didn't realise he was such a, a powerful, rustic person. Uh, like, he was uh, apparently like a competitive rail splitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could uh, as a fit as a Obama was, I can't really imagine him splitting logs in, a, in the prairies, <laughs> but uh, it yeah. would be an interesting competition, the President Log Splitting Contest.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, well, will just um, – I mean, obviously, we're Aussies, so just to give the um, audience a little bit of context about Abraham Lincoln himself just very, very briefly. He was America's 16th president. Uh, He lived uh, from 1809 to 1865 when he was assassinated. He is known as the Civil War president, and, of course, that was the North versus the South in issues relating to slavery, saving the union of their country, etc. He was born in poverty actually in Kentucky, and then the family eventually found their way over to Illinois, which is where he is known from being from. He was self-educated and eventually became a lawyer. His first stint was just in in state politics in Illinois, so he was in the Whig Party, which I guess was the precursor to the modern Republican Party. Uh, After spending time there, he eventually did get into federal politics, and that's how he worked his way into becoming the president. He was married to a woman called Mary Todd. He also had another relationship, as we see in these films, with another woman called Anne prior to that. He had four sons and two of whom who tragically preceded him in death, which devastated both him and his wife. He is consistently ranked the greatest president in US history just because of what he managed to do um, and really the strength of character he had, especially uh, during the Civil War. Um, His initial sort of life is what we see in these films started in New Salem in Illinois. And that was where he lived as a young man and where he knew Anne. Uh, so that's just a little bit of uh, background into his just general life. Obviously, you could literally spend years speaking about this man and all the different decisions he made during the Civil War, which are now a lot of hand-wringing seems to be doing now in the latest realms of political discussions. But we'll leave that for other people and we'll just discuss how he's portrayed in these films. So we'll start off with the, obviously, we always do the earliest film first, so 1930, Abraham Lincoln, of course, starring Walter Houston. And it was directed by the very well-known D.W. Griffith to movie buffs, who, uh, of course, did Birth of a Nation in 1915, which is one of the most famous old movies you, you can get. It was written by Garrett Lloyd um, and John Considine, uh, starring Walter Houston and Una Merkel. So just a brief amount of the story here, Uh, Lincoln's life in New Salem begins with this and his marriage to Mary Todd as he goes to Springfield. But the film mostly deals with his presidency during the Civil War, Lee's surrender and then his death, sadly, at Ford's Theatre just a matter of days after, after the end of the war. So what was your feelings on this movie, Matt?
1: Well, I haven't got to see that much D.W. Griffith, but the parts that I have seen, and then even more when I've seen some of the very early movies made before he really came onto the scene in the 1910s, made me realise how responsible he was for introducing a lot of the cinematic language we take for granted, things like... Cutovers of different scenes, close-ups of people, turning it into a really cinematic language, as opposed to a lot of early films where it was more like a theater stage and you almost put a camera in front of it, and so mm. it was nowhere near as effective at telling a story. Now, fair enough, a lot of the some more famous stories he's associated with filming now, particularly Birth of the Birth of a Nation, were often conceived a bit. Naive, naively with um what people thought uh, uh, what was right and wrong at the time but right. you can't ignore the huge impact he had on the language of cinema he created almost the alphabet that's the fundamental uh, the fundamental requirement of communication for modern films now so many things that we take for granted that people actually had to invent to begin with as far as this is also interesting, interesting movie because I believe it's his first sound film and it was made in 1930, I think, so only a year after yeah. The Jazz Singer, which was a partial talkie and uh, the generally agreed to be the first uh, uh, talkie film. And mm-hmm. starting with the parts I really liked um, were a lot of the uh, battle scenes with the yes. crossing over between horses. That is where D.W. Griffith... Was really in his element. Where I uh, thought needed a bit of work, and I suppose it is understandable it was his first sound movie, was a lot of the di- heavy dialogue scenes, particularly early with his first lover. Well, first love, not lover. He wasn't a Tomcat. <laughs> it uh, was, as Hitchcock complained, uh, with a lot of early sound films, in that it was just a photograph of people talking and. Maybe I'm uh, not much of a romantic film type, but I felt like the early romance part, I was like, can we just speed speed along? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Which uh, in the other film uh, with um, John Ford, they kind of uh, did. It quickly went from first date to gravestone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of, um, you know, when people look back on the film now I was reading, they find it a bit too episodic, so it just goes from one episode in his life to another, which I don't, I mean, for a film back then and considering the subject matter, I don't necessarily feel that that's a bad thing. Perhaps that, that's more of what the audience would have expected then, just following the different stages of his life, whereas now I find a lot of modern films are vastly overlong And they're basically written from a political perspective, whichever side of the coin that they're discussing. And they're just interjecting just far too much of what they don't know into it. I suppose, you know, there was obviously some artistic license taken in both of these films, you know, events that didn't happen or partial events that were merged into all different events together, but they didn't happen that way. And that's fine, that's artistic license, and you're making a film for the audience to follow. So I just, um, obviously, I'm not as well versed in some of the cinematic effects as you are but I just thought it was an incredibly beautiful looking film I mean I, I would love to see a film like that on the big screen with some sort of restored sound it just looked so I don't know if the term gothic is it's that's not what I'm looking for I can't really describe It's just some of the scenes and the makeup that Walter Houston was wearing it was very sort of heavy and looked very shaded and I mean what did you think about the actual look of the film like
1: well, both D.W. Griffith, Griffith, Tongue Twister, and John Ford, who made the uh, following film, were very big into the great Americana landscapes, and they were famous for their um, huge um, uh, charting horses across fields, so I thought it was very beautiful. I, I One obsession of Lincoln's, which D.W. Griffith obviously took to heart, and the scriptwriter, was that Lincoln was obsessed with preserving the american union at all costs and when we think of it in retrospect at that time of the civil war it would have only been like about the time from us to world war ii was about the length the length of uh, about the length of the time when uh, the america started as a uh, in the Revolutionary War, and so we can take America's existence for granted now, but uh, he would have regarded it as a much more fractured coalition of um, political wills at the time?
0: Yes. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's really hard for us to actually understand what was happening back then in the various factions, because, you know, the Confederacy had their point of view, and I guess the Unionists had their, and it's really just such an in-depth, I mean, people who are experts on the Civil War, you know, they're still finding out things today in different documentation. But there's no doubt about like his um, strength of character really was second to none. I mean, we don't really see that sort of in modern life now. Uh, Yeah, I'm sort of with these sort of um, biopics. I like to see the other side of their life, and I didn't actually realise the tragedy of, you know, him losing two children. And it was nice to see the children, his children in this first film. And I thought Walter Houston, and he comes obviously he was the he was actually from Canada originally I was um reading. and he is actually sort of the the head of a very dynastic film family with um his son uh, being that famous director, and then obviously John Houston and then his uh, grandchildren, Angelica and Danny and some other members of the family being extremely famous actors as well. I thought he did, a, a gr- I, mean, the sa- I mean the sound copy we were watching was very sort of patchy. It would be interesting to see a more restored sound version. I thought he definitely looked to the part and came across very stately in that role.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, quite a, a hard thing at times to do to uh, create this uh... Or of someone who had been vilified so much in American public life and the Lincoln Memorial, I think it had only been built ten years earlier. And in yes. both movies they uh, uh love to do almost sort of like a Marvel comics type thing at the end, yes. showing him with a statue. <laughs> yes. And where a lot of people are critical these days are how not just when depicting historical characters, but other um, fictional characters is how sometimes they can appear one-dimensional. Like we have Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, it's not so fashionable now to have a kind of a one a one-dimensional uh, character representing one side and another another. Mm. The but uh, especially uh, uh, long before you had sort of the Comic book uh, movies and uh, those sorts of uh, cart cartoon hyperboles of life and morals. They like to create uh, special moral forces on the screen.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's sort of. I guess. I guess my issue. I guess with a lot of modern film. Uh, films now is they just seem to take these really absurd positions and they don't actually have any basis of fact for it I mean there's such a thing as artistic license but I don't mind seeing a simple film that just goes because then it's up to you to go and research and and as long as the film works and it runs from one scene into the other and it makes some sort of sense so while I wouldn't say that this film is the most exciting film I've ever seen I just enjoyed it for what it was. It was just a simple film, although not simple at the time that it was made. It was quite groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Uh, So overall, I did enjoy it. How about you?
1: Overall, I did enjoy it. Uh, We kind of have two films where D.W. Griffith is shown uh, towards the end of his career, and it's uh, kind of where the film is limited, is perhaps where he was uh, uh, carrying the baggage of the silent era even the way Lincoln keeps saying we have saved the union that's almost like uh, putting into audio form title cards that would have uh, transitioned the plot in silent films so I don't think um, Griffith was working for that much longer in films after this like maybe four or five years and so I'd probably like to see any uh, extra sound pictures he made but like I said before it really shows where he's in a, his element with um, battle scenes. Yes. And even the, just simply trying to give life, because this would have been one of the first audio pictures of Lincoln and showing him as a human being and before becoming the literally the, the statue of a, of, an, of a nation at the end.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was a very interesting um, shot. The way they did that at the end, I wasn't sure what I was seeing. I was like, "Was that a model, or are they actually at the real? Uh, are they actually at the real um, memorial?" Or that was a very interesting. Looked very psychedelic. It was. It was kind of. Uh, I'm not sure how that. We'll have to kind of research that, and, and yeah. I'm not sure how they we did never, that at the end there.
1: We may never know for certain, but uh, because I've been to the Lincoln Memorial and just thinking of the size it is in relative to. Um, lighting and everything, I think they would have probably built a model, uh, model that could yeah. have uh, worked better with the lighting effects and everything.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, you're right, he didn't really, after this film, make many other films. I think he assisted some other well-known directors as they were coming up uh, with certain staging, certain scenes, And but he himself, and he was, you know, very important to the film industry. D.W. Griffith, this is the director of this film, because he actually started United Artists with Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks and Charlie Chaplin. So he was the founding member of that very important organisation where actors and performers and artists could advocate for themselves a little bit more. So um, he's definitely a pioneer in the film business. So, yes, I did enjoy the film. Uh, Yes, obviously compared to what certain things we might watch today, it was maybe a little bit quaint, but uh, overall I did enjoy it. And, um, yeah, thanks for your insights there with um, some of the cinematography and stuff, Matt. It's very interesting to talk about how things develop over the years. So I guess Thank we jump... Thank
1: you for your patience no, with me yeah. about it.
0: <laughs> No, no, that's all right. It's very interesting. So we'll jump on nine years later and we'll go back to Illinois with young Mr Lincoln. So as Matt and I both noted to each other when we were discussing this film, this is John Ford, the very famous film director John Ford, Uh, This is his first, one of his first big films that he did. Uh, It was produced by Daryl F. Zanuck and it was written by Lamar Trotty, starring a very young Henry Fonda. And if you are watching this film, yes, he is wearing a prosthetic nose because I heard the voice and I said, hang on, that is Henry Fonda. It doesn't look like and it was a prosthetic nose. I actually thought they did a good job with that because it did make him look a lot more like Abraham Lincoln. Alice Brady and Marjorie Weaver were also in this film, The Music by Alfred Newman. Uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox and made by Cosmopolitan Productions. So just briefly with the story in this film, it follows the life of young, as the title says, young Mr Lincoln, so Abraham Lincoln's young life, Uh, his early career prior to becoming a lawyer, his meeting his wife and also dealing briefly with his first relationship with Anne. The film's latter half actually concentrates on a trial, and we'll use commas around that, of of two brothers as they stand accused of murder, and then Lincoln is able to successfully defend them by using his reasoning and logic. And so the murder case, obviously some artistic licence was um, uh, given to this film, but the murder case I was believe was taken from an actual court case in Illinois where he did practice law and perhaps was involved in. So there is some truth in the artistic license that's given into the storyline. But that's fine because it's a it's a dramatic film and they're telling a story of what his life could have been like as a young lawyer. So what were your thoughts on this film Matt?
1: Well, I can be a little lazy with watching the credits at the beginning of films at times and this is one time I shouldn't have been because I've been meaning for a while to see a John Ford film who wells Classically, he said, I like the classics in movies, which means that I love John Ford, John Ford, and John Ford. And <laughs> so it wasn't until the credits rolled on this one that I realised, oh, God, I just saw my first John Ford film. <laughs> I, yes. I, I just got forwarded. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, was,
0: I didn't realise at the start either that it was one of his films.
1: Yeah. I believe um, he had made some films in the silent era, although, I, as yes. last I heard, none of them have survived. Yes,
0: and I, that
1: too. In re- yeah. And I took it for granted while watching it, but in retro- in retrospect, it does contain a lot of the features that Ford would be known for later. So the cleverly simple uh, cinematography. So he, he was not the type to go through complex... Uh, camera setups and that worked for him he was known for his giant uh, wild west scenes in later years and you do start to see the beginning of that but it's interesting it's in such a heavily wooded area or in a built-up town most of the time and because also because the character in this movie is a man and not so much a landscape uh, which is kind of the style that uh, he take up with his westerns later Yep. you um only see hints of the greater vista views he'd be known for
0: yeah and also and and actually what you said there relates to the character of Lincoln as well it's not the big landscape of the famous president it's this smaller although not shorter <laughs> version of this man who lives in this small town and is a lawyer and while you can tell that he's destined for great things, at that point he's a working lawyer in the town and just trying to make his way and find a partner and, and, and get on with his life, so to speak. And i actually um, never been a huge fan of Henry Fonda. It's nothing personal against him, but a lot of his films that I've seen him in, he just tends to play this sort of dour, sort of straight-laced, you know, very to-the-point character I suppose I always, you know, think of one of the last films, if not, I think it was his last film on Golden Pond that he did with his daughter in 82. And I always think of that, you know, that curmudgeon, that sort of character that he played in that film, and I that tends to cast a pall over all of the other films that he's done. I'm sure he's played lots of different characters, but this is probably the I think the that play- had a
1: lot of on-screen tension, though, from reality. Yeah. Though like, <laughs> They did have a lot of personal <laughs> uh, things against each other in real life.
0: Yes they did and um, that certainly came out in that film but I always tend to just when I think of Henry Fonda I always think of that film first and it's obviously he has a massive repertoire of films but I really liked him in this film this is probably my most favorite thing with him in because he was just just oh gosh you know golly sort of and the fact that he looked different as well I think that helped me just accept him I mean you can tell by the voice it was him but I really enjoyed him in this film and we were discussing about his height. You know, he's six, he was six foot one, so not short, like a fairly tall guy. But everyone in the film, I mean, I mean, I guess Walter Houston was quite tall as well, but Abraham Lincoln was a tall man. So you really have to show that, that he was much taller than everybody else, usually speaking. And they did that quite effectively in this film. Uh, I thought the casting in this film was everyone did their parts equally well, the other lawyer in the main law scenes. And it just turned into a bit of a you know, classic sort of courtroom drama at the end of this film as they moved into, so there was sort of the first half of the film dealing with his life and what he was up to and then moved into this sort of courtroom drama at the end. So how did you find the story in this film? Did you enjoy it or...?
1: Well, first of all, I loved uh, the deal they made about his height by first showing him kneeling down to this very lanky figure on the some sort of um, veranda. And mm. I, uh, so you could tell a lot of the camera angles they were playing tricks around to make Henry Fonda... I don't know if he was that tall, but particularly imposing. And I think yeah. they tried to show a bit of a whimsical side to lincoln as well because he was playing that weird mouth banjo thing a lot of the time yes
0: yes he was yeah yeah it was not it was it was a quaint little film uh and i I actually liked it i probably preferred that one to the first one that we discussed just because you know nine years moved on you know you're seeing a lot more in the film a film's able to run a bit you know the talkies have been around for a while. Do you think that influenced the, how this film looked and felt compared to the first one? Or?
1: Yeah, well you can definitely tell in the uh, films made in the maybe the first three or four years where they probably would have been starting to be written during the still silent era. They were still working out how best to best communicate sound on screen. So uh, young Mister Lincoln was definitely uh, much more approachable and how ha- and sort of. Uh, Fleshed out, and also because they had a lot of secondary characters that were a lot more interesting in Young Mr. Lincoln. So, the character witnesses in the trial, and you could uh, get an idea even of how uh, political speeches could have been a lot more like at the time the stump speeches, as I believe they call them, because you had to, especially in no social media, no big broadcasting, and also. The reality is when the those that were able to vote in any given area were quite small, elections were won, uh, quite often ingested a conversation in your living room and yes. probably in a more higher elite level than a lot of the circles Lincoln worked in. But it was often the case that uh, campaigning at that time was done in the parlours and the dining rooms at a lot of a lot of politicians' homes where effectively the voters were small enough to form a dinner party.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, it was very localised back then, so even running a federal campaign, but that's where he got his start in local politics, so that obviously uh, helped him. And, yeah, I, I just, again, a nice, quaint watchable little film the running times of these films are more you know an hour and 20 minutes an hour and a half that's for me a good running time for a film and I think with characters like Lincoln some of the best films or plays or stories are when they concentrate on an aspect of their life sometimes doing the whole long version of their life I think that um film with Daniel Day-Lewis in 2012 Lincoln goes for something like three and a half hours and I, I mean really even see then, that one. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I think if I – I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it just for the historical aspect of it and how, how they've put together the story, but i probably have to watch it in parts. I can't imagine that I'd sit there in one sitting and watch it. It'd just be a bit long for me, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, my bladder wouldn't be able to handle it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, overall, two, two just quaint little films and about – such a larger than life character and I think they did him justice in in the way that they could do it and it was great seeing John Ford's early work in this, great seeing Henry Fonda in this very interesting role for him. I mean he's kind of known, you know, he's one of these people who's known for being Henry Fonda sort of thing so it's nice to see him take on a very historical figure and he played him with just a very quaint um, spin on the character. And I suppose, you know, Lincoln, for all intents and purposes, was. I'm sure there's another side to him that other people have researched. But for the parts of these films, I think both actors did a very credible job and both directors did. Is there anything you want to say about the films as we wrap up here now, Matt?
1: I think we've um, covered them pretty pretty well. So I think you could look at these as opportunities to, uh, because in, in effect, uh, we've talked as much about Uh, about like we've also talked about the directors that made them and that's one of the good things about themed episodes like this you sort of um put together uh different bits of extra information that you didn't expect at the beginning and so both dw griffith and john ford are two directors that many people who are into films hear about by name but they don't necessarily go the extra mile of looking up And particularly with D.W. Griffith, I think a lot of people need to look up a lot of his famous short silence from earlier. You really get to see the uh, cinematography he was capable of. And even some of the wit and humor, I uh, think he was quite a clever person uh, in terms of how how he could uh, portray a story. And uh, John Ford as well. So, as always, we're advocating to explore new avenues and uh, judge quality for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm actually, in reference to D.W. Griffith before we go, you know, he, as much as Birth of a Nation was a popular, successful film for him, he also received a lot of backlash for it as well because of obviously some of the subject matter concerning it. But he did a film a year later called Intolerance, which looks very interesting to me about different areas of history where there have been intolerance and, in, in different situations. That actually, I'm, I'm actually curious to watch. That film was not successful and, in fact, it caused him a lot of financial distress, I believe. But that's actually, those are two films I think, Matt, we might have to discuss in the future because how one director in the course of a couple of years goes from one extreme to the other and, you know, there's a lot of stuff about cancel culture and sort of the mob and stuff at the moment, and he was one of the very first early victims of that sort of thing from what I was reading. So I think it just would be interesting to actually, at, at some future point, discuss those films if we can actually – I mean, Birth of a Nation should be um, available, but Intolerance, I so would have to see if we could find that somewhere because that would yeah. be quite interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Both those are major films and uh, the – information that needs to be discussed about them is far too greater for the amount of time we have left on this episode
0: yeah that's right that's exactly right so we thank you for joining us today here in melbourne in another state of lockdown and we hope you're all doing well out there and thank you to my special guest uh matt of course for joining me (laughs) as he does having me yeah as he does every two weeks So just uh, to let you know, our next films on our docket are films of containment. We've decided to sort of give the byline to the next episode. So we will be discussing films in a contained setting, and that would be 1944's Lifeboat, directed by the great Alfred Hitchcock, and the 1957 Sidney Lumet, who's a very famous director as well, 12 Angry Men. So, lifeboat is set all on a lifeboat, and Twelve Angry Men is set all in a um, uh, what's the, what would be the word that you would give that like a, a room where the jury a jury room, I guess you call it, where the jury where the jury is uh, discussing the case and going over to, yeah, maybe to give their verdict.
1: A, a deliberation room or a deli- something. De-
0: deliberation room. I'll have to look up the official name. A jury room, deliberation room. Definitely. Now, I've seen several different versions of the Twelve Angry Men play actually done by some very young actors as well who are all fantastic. I've seen a couple of youth productions of it. It's one of my favourite plays. And I've definitely seen parts of this film which has Henry Fonda in it again. So we're having another Henry Fonda film. Uh, it definitely has. Um, and also Jack Lemmon did an interesting adaption of it in the nineties too. So that would be interesting to check that out as well while we're watching these. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for listening to us and um, anything you want to say before we wrap up, Matt?
1: As always, check out all our other videos. We're getting a quite a good collection on our channel now on, on YouTube. And um, please, hit subscribe and tap the bell so you can get notified of future content we bring out new videos every 2 weeks we also have our accounts on uh, social media so Instagram Twitter Facebook we're also uh, we've been requested a couple of times now whether we're likely to be uh, bringing out an audio a pure audio version of this show anytime soon and like that is fluttering to us we plan to do that in the long term when the show had a bit more uh, progress under its belt and that it's already happening is uh, good news to us so we are looking into starting a pure audio stream where we can have these same episodes in a uh, version where you can just hear it in your car or while you're doing dishes and that sort of thing and so we hope to have that along soon it may not be till after the compulsory six weeks quarantine we're in currently in victoria australia here and that's just what has to be done with current government restrictions so we look forward to the future though and uh, i always enjoy uh, thinking of what new themes of movies we can watch ahead and share with you guys
0: yeah definitely so thanks very much guys so in the meantime i'm rachel i'm matthew and we're watching good movies thanks for joining us and have a great one